From hook and bullet to policy and science, we're here to discuss and dissect all matters of importance to Montana's rugged landscape and the people and wildlife that call it home. This is Montana Untamed. Last week, the Montana Fish and Wildlife Commission debated what's become a hot-button issue, restrictions on non-resident upland game bird hunters. The debate arose after Fish, Wildlife, and Parks Director Dustin Temple asked Commissioner Leslie Robinson to carry two amendments to the group. One would push back the non-resident bird dog training season by two weeks. The other would delay the non-resident bird hunting season by two weeks. Here to discuss what led up to the discussion and its resolution is Brett French, uh, Billings Gazette Outdoor Editor. To start, uh, Brett, let's put it on a timeline. When were these two amendments first proposed? Yeah, Tom, they were first proposed back in uh, late January at meetings that were held in eastern Montana. Uh, Glendive and Scobie were the two locations where Fish, Wildlife, and Parks uh, director and some of the other honchos showed up along with the uh, regional biologists and those folks to talk about uh, bird numbers among uh, other things like uh, hunter numbers and that kind of information. Okay, so I guess how did this how did this all begin? Um, you know, what prompted um, these suggestions from FWP's leadership? Yeah, so the uh, leadership, Dustin Temple uh, asked Leslie Robinson, the uh, chairman, chairwoman of the Fish and Wildlife Commission, to carry the proposals to the uh, commission. Uh, the two amendments uh, were meant uh, to kind of Put it out there for discussion because uh, Fish, Wildlife, and Parks had been getting a ton of calls apparently from concerned landowners, concerned hunters in that eastern Montana area, specifically northeastern Montana, uh, trying to get them to take some kind of action. The because the the complaints are that there's been an an increase in in hunter density or that there's been a decrease in, in bird numbers? Uh, hunter density um, mostly and complaints about non-resident uh, hunter crowding. Hmm. Okay. Um, is there any, did, 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 the, did the agency have any like census information or studies to back up, like to basically prove true or false that there was an increase in hunters or is it all based on you know these complaints and this anecdotal information from resident hunters no there's a documentation that since i think it was 2019 uh, non-resident licenses had gone up by uh, i want to say it was more than 30 percent and okay the problem is that uh, when non-residents buy a license like you or i may buy a combination license that includes an upland bird hunting uh, license and maybe not necessarily use that license. I mean, you just have it, but uh, Mm -hmm. you don't go out bird hunting. So that's one of the figures they had. Uh, They had other other figures based on actual surveys of hunters 
but those of course are all dependent on response you know and how many right. people they can get to respond um, so there's that concern too and there was some disbelief in the numbers that they did look fairly flat I mean there was actually some higher spikes and in earlier years like going back to 2015 according to the survey data so uh, there was some disbelief in the the new numbers and FWP itself you know said well like any survey take it with a grain of salt right right um, okay and so what did what was the response to these proposals from resident and non-resident hunters yeah, so the idea was to generate some discussion about the issue, and it certainly did that. They got over 144 pages of emailed comments to the commissioners before the meeting uh, from residents and non-residents. Obviously, it was pretty much most non-residents were against any delay. There was some questioning as to whether it was biologically necessary in terms of harming bird numbers. Mm. Um, residents were generally in favor of uh, setting back those those dates and pointed to states like uh, South Dakota where the number of days non-residents can hunt is limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think South Dakota, and they there opened was, it up. To, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and there was some comments from landowners too, which was surprising that you'd think the landowners would be kind of uh, – unified on the issue but uh nope uh there was some saying there's no problem up here in northeastern montana and others saying uh this is really bad and if we don't get help soon uh, we're going to take measures into our own hands to control the issue which is somewhat uh scary (laughs) right um you mentioned north northeast montana this is this is this a regional issue or, or um, is this hunter density during the the uh, bird season um, seen throughout the state? It really does seem to be a northeastern Montana issue, um, specifically eastern northeastern Montana, because hmm. the western portion of that area has been in drought for several years, and so the bird populations are down. There's not as many hunters. Um, this last year saw a really big boom in, in sharptail numbers and hun numbers in eastern Montana, southeastern Montana as well. And so that drove, you know, increased hunter participation and more people out in the field. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it does really seem focused on that northeastern Scobie Plentywood area, partly because there's a lot of a block management and state and BLM land up in that area. So access is is pretty good. Hmm. You you may have answered my question before I even asked it, but throughout this the discussion on these proposals, has there been any conversation about uh, you know bird numbers, pheasant numbers to be specific up there? Um, how drought has you know like you said um, reduced the numbers and, and diminished brood stock for a few years? Is that a part of this conversation, or is it strictly about hunter visitation and hunter numbers? Yeah, it looks like, uh, you know, bird populations go up and down depending on weather it's in the habitat. So those are the two main factors that affect that. Uh, FWP is not concerned about hunter harvest in any way damaging uh, bird populations because 
as the bird populations are low, hunters aren't as successful. So uh, there's really no concern about the effect on the bird population by hunters, even though uh, bird populations, like I said, have, have gone up uh, with this last year's really nice wet spring, uh, provide lots of cover and habitat. It's also, I guess, with the drought prior to that, uh, a lot of uh, ranchers had decreased their herds, some by as much as 50%. Mm -hmm. uh, so that created more habitat for huns and, and sharp tails as well. So kind of an interesting double uh, change on that, uh, how drought can do one thing and good weather can do another. So. Right, right. Yeah, so just to be clear, this is this is a discussion on um, hunter density, um, not necessarily on, you know, bird populations. Is there, I guess, let's get to, let's get to um, kind of the discussion on the proposals. Uh, the, the Fish and Wildlife Commission had a, had a meeting recently last week. Um, what concerns do commissioners bring up? What was the discussion like um, on these proposals? There was some concern expressed about the economic impact. Uh, that came out also in some of the comments from non-residents, you know, saying they, they would spend, you know, 6000 to $7,000 during trips to Montana and they wouldn't come here anymore. Um, concerns about the effects on, you know, hotels, motels up in the Highline area if, if something did go through. There's also concerns about uh, doing enacting a regulation that would help uh, that northeastern area but maybe didn't necessarily apply to other areas of the state like mountain grouse hunting in, in western Montana. Mm -hmm. You know there haven't been concerns about uh, crowding expressed in in those areas so there was uh, debate about whether it should apply maybe just to northeastern Montana and that was one of the considerations that was also shot down. Um, but yeah, it largely seems to be a, a social issue, not necessarily a, a, a biological one right now. Okay. And so at that meeting, what was, how did the final decision come down? So the commission, after tossing this around for a lot of time, wanted more specifics on economics. They wanted to know what the impact was going to be. Uh, they shot down the proposal to just limit it to northeastern Montana. And they also shot down the proposal to delay it for non-resident hunters. They did, however, agree to push back the non-resident bird dog training, uh, which puts it starting right when the hunting season starts, which uh, will probably eliminate some of those people who are even buying tags to train their, their dogs because uh, once the season starts, they can, they can just go hunting. So there's some concern that there'll be a loss of information on that end of things. Right. Yeah. I mean, when the season opens, training, hunting is training right. and vice versa. Um, so... So the commission shot down these proposals, um, but this is not the first time similar topics have been discussed at high levels of state government. Um, the legislature tried to tackle the issue recently. Uh, what happened there? Yeah, in the last legislative session, there was a bill introduced by Pat Flowers out of uh, Belgrade. Uh, it would have 
created two 14-day uh, licenses for non-residents, or they could spread it out into three license periods, the idea being to restrict their time more like South Dakota does. Uh, it passed through the uh, Senate 50 to 0 and hit the House and was tabled in committee. So uh, again, some of the concerns expressed there prior to that hearing were economic, you know, how this is going to affect uh, some of those small businesses in eastern Montana. Hmm. So uh, what happens next then? So yeah, it looks like it's going to go back to the legislature again because the, the commission got cold feet on, on moving ahead with any of these uh, other initiatives. So uh, did obviously prompt a lot of discussion and, and got people paying attention, but uh, uh, the director of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks said it, it will undoubtedly be before uh, the legislature this this next uh, session. And the question then is, will they have better information on economics, you know, to say how much of a hit it would be to go to a system uh, like that's proposed for South Dakota or someplace like that. Or if it's it's a social issue and it's not even worth addressing, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. You, you hear some really crazy stories. Uh, one person was talking about seeing a, a dog trainer with, you know, 50-some dogs that didn't look like they were being taken great care of. There's still concern about the dog training because those uh, state residents can be out on public land even before the season opens as early as August 1st. So um, still concerned about how that may affect birds, you know. Does that make them more flighty, more easy to flush uh, when the actual hunting season starts? So, um, but generally, um, it seems like it's going to come down to a social issue and not a biological issue. FWP has said they'll pretty much work with whatever the commission or the legislature decides. Right. And the bird dog training, the regulating the bird dog training is a relatively new phenomenon in Montana too, isn't it? It is, yeah. This last year was the first year that they required a license for that. That came out of uh, Environmental Quality Council, had a study on on uh, how that was uh, going to be set up and they decided, you know, to set some parameters on uh, where you could train and, and specifically trying to protect wild birds. But even that still has some, uh, some fuzziness to it because apparently if, if you bring wild birds uh, that are raised in the state, or not wild birds, but pen-raised birds, uh, that were raised in the state and out and release them to train your dog, you can, you can still do that. So, um, yeah, and there may be tighter restrictions on that. One thing that did come out of uh, the Region 7 meeting was that the sage-grouse numbers have taken a, a decline. Um, they were down quite a bit from last year. They think it may have been because there's still a lot of snow on the breeding grounds uh, around that spring breeding season but they've seen a pretty dramatic decline with some of those leks having as many as 30 at their peak and now down to about six. So if there's a low count on the leks again this spring in Region 7, uh, they will halt all hunting of uh, sage-grouse. Hmm, okay. 
Um, and I guess just for curiosity's sake, does anybody have any answers as to why maybe there's been an increase in, well, I guess, first of all, is it, I would imagine this is a public land issue, not a private land issue, the, the hunter crowding. Is that correct? That's a good point, yeah, and something we didn't mention, that uh, when the proposals were tossed out, uh, there was several land or outfitters that complained to commissioners about uh, the loss of business they were going to suffer if the non-resident season was pushed back by two weeks. Uh, some claimed anywhere from 25 to 30 percent of their business would be lost just by that two-week delay in the season. And uh, so then the commission... Uh, Commissioner Leslie Robinson made a second or third, I guess, amendment that would have just uh, applied the delay to public lands so that you could have hunted private lands. But that didn't get enough support either. So um, Mm. there's a recognition that there's an issue there, but just how to deal with it, the commission was really struggling with. Right. So, and I guess back to my question, does anybody have any answers as to why maybe there's an increase in in game bird hunters um, in eastern Montana? I mean, if you're all the way out that far east, you would think if you're traveling from a different state, maybe the the pheasant fields of North and South Dakota might be more alluring. Um, any idea why folks are coming to Montana and not other states to hunt game birds? Yeah, and it's some of the things that we typically think of for any uh, recreation activities like this. It's uh, just getting more coverage on social media. You know, we've had uh, uh, the rooster road trip came through Montana here a couple of years ago and, and brought a lot of attention to it among Pheasants Forever types. And uh, also, I guess, uh, on turkey hunting in specific, uh, turkey numbers are down in the south, so there's concern that... Uh, uh, people will be coming up to hunt turkeys in southeastern Montana. Um, hunt numbers were really good. That's an unusual bird that you can't hunt in a lot of other places. So mm. people are attracted to that uh, unusual type of uh, species to go after. Um, yeah, so it's a, a lot of different things. And we're also seeing, uh, which I think is kind of interesting, and this isn't just applied to upland hunting, is... Uh, People are spending more time in the field, and uh, that's residents and non-residents, and it's really upticked, I think, since COVID, maybe because more people are working from home and it's easier for them to get away, or maybe people are just more focused on uh, recreational life, you know, and, and not, not as focused on work. And then you also got to remember that the baby boomers, a lot of them are retiring, but also, that should mean a lot of those baby boomers are just getting out of hunting altogether as they age out of the, out of the system. So, but I, I think that's kind of interesting how, yeah, it's just more people out in the field longer. And I know I've said this, you know, when I've hit the trailhead some days, and I just, doesn't anybody work anymore? Right. Yeah, it kind of just seems like another symptom of the condition we're seeing across the state and the West in general when it comes to outdoor recreation um, post COVID, whether it's hunting, fishing, skiing, you know, any of these either consumptive or non-consumptive activities, um, there's certainly a lot more folks that are participating in them. And, you know, there's the same amount of state available to do it on. So, um, 
But anyway, right. hey, and, Brett, and in thanks for... In the case of hunting, I think even less, you know, amount of the state is a lot of those lands that used to be available are uh, locked up or leased out. So there's that concern. Right. A topic for a whole other episode, I'm sure. Yeah, right. Well, hey, thanks for coming on, as always, Brett, and uh, keeping us in the loop. All right. Thanks, Tom. Montana Untamed is a podcast from the newsrooms of Lee Enterprises' Montana newspapers. Visit any of our websites or subscribe wherever podcasts are found. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.